0: is real there's power in your name we my hope we trust in your ways we need real jesus is real we live in the world as his body And for many of us, we've kind of lost this in a self-centered culture where we begin to think that our faith is about pleasing ourselves. No. See, true spiritual maturity is when you use your maturity to help other people, to bless other people. A self-centered Christianity is not truly Christianity. It's American culture with a veneer of Jesus put over the
1: top. Did you know that God wants you to be a tangible example of his love and character in the world? Today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that God's design is that His people grow together, even in the midst of their differences. You'll learn that the more mature believers should come alongside the younger people, helping them to grow in their faith. But to do this, you'll have to fight against the tendency be self-focused, following the example of Jesus. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 15 as he begins his message, Doxology.
0: So being a parent is a blast. Oh, All the parents start laughing when you say something like that, because you know that there's going to be a story. So our kids are 14, 11, and 5, and so, uh, just such great ages, and so, but we're at that age with our youngest, Annabelle, where Annabelle's going through the, uh, I like to call it the bag lady stage where she wants to bring everything with her at every point. It's like it's like in her learning how to subdue the earth is what happens when you grow, right? You're learning how, how to navigate your environment. Annabelle's in that place where if she can bring everything with her at all times, she's going to do it. Like on, uh, it must have been Wednesday, she was going to school and her backpack looked like she was like a middle schooler. And I'm like, what do you got in your backpack? She's got like a camera in there. She's got a little, you know, secondary bags with all cars in there and notes that she wrote to her friends, even though she can't write yet. You know, and you have all these different things going on. But because Annabelle was in the bag lady stage, you have to kind of hide everything from her. Because if she finds it, she's going to take it and stick it in her bag, you know. And so so sure enough, this just happened the other day where a Maranatha, our 11-year-old, uh, Maranatha got a a lollipop, and so she took it, and so at our house, uh, lollipops, uh, any sort of junk food needs to be hidden, and they're hiding it from me, no, really, no, they're not, (laughs) but we have to hide it, because it ends up just getting eaten, right, and so sure enough, Maranatha got this lollipop, she put it up in her room, but Annabelle was in her room, and Annabelle found it, so you know what Annabelle did when she found the lollipop? She ate it, right, and so, so finally, Maranatha went looking for her lollipop, and she's like, who ate my lollipop? And Annabelle's just like looking around, right? And then Maranatha's like, Annabelle, did you eat my lollipop? And Annabelle's like, I did. Like she just, she confessed it with joy. You know what I mean? She's like, I totally did. And Maranatha's like, Annabelle, I was saving that. And you know, now you owe me a lollipop. And is and so awesome. Annabelle says, Maranatha, every single day, I bring you happiness and joy. And at that point, everyone just gets hysterical laughing because it's like like Annabelle's got something there. She's like, listen, every single day I bring you joy and happiness. Like, you could give me a lollipop. Like it's not a problem. But I, and, and as I've been thinking about, it, like obviously as a parent, I'm like, oh man, we are in trouble with Annabelle. You know what I mean? But you start thinking about the things that are said and you start to think to yourself, there's something really powerful there. Because in a lot of ways, for all of us as it relates to our relationship with God, we have a tendency with God to forget that every single day God brings us joy and happiness if we're willing to abide in him. But for most of us, and especially in the day and age in which we live, it's so often that we get frustrated because our lollipop isn't there anymore. And we forget the greater things that God has done. When I look at my own life, when I look at the lives of people, as I talk to people, as we move through this world together, and I see people struggling with who God is, what God is doing... We have a tendency, it's always to be about the things that went on that we didn't want to happen. The times when we thought that lollipop was gonna be there when, when we want it. And we forget that at every single point, if we're willing to walk with Him, that God wants to bring us joy and happiness every single day. I didn't realize that my little five year old's like a super deep theologian, but there's, there's something there. And as we've been exploring together, Paul's letter to the Romans, we're in this series that we're calling Amplify. And really the, the thrust of the series is what does it mean to grow in Christ? What does it mean to mature in the things of God? And Paul is making sure that what we learn together is what does it mean for us to be in relationship with other people, right? And there is a way that we can ensure that relationships among people who are different can blossom. And it's amazing to me as we've been in this section together, I'm learning more and more every day how these things that were written 2,000 years ago are even more relevant today than maybe they've ever been. Because we live in a day and age where people don't know how to relate to one another anymore. If somebody has different views or different positions, like our culture has lost the ability to be able to still be in relationship together. And so we've been exploring that together. And today I want to explore with you all another aspect of what it means to mature in Christ, to grow in Christ. And so I want to teach you a big word. So you guys ready? The word is doxology. Now the word doxology, what it, what it actually means is it means it's, it's a form of praising God. The word doxa in the Greek literally means glory. And logia, where you get a logi from, right? That actually means to speak. So the idea of a doxology is a way of speaking of the glory of God, right? And really, doxology is a theological word or a scholarly word that literally speaks of the practice of praising God. And in a lot of ways, if you want to grow up in your faith, If you want to be mature in the things of God, you and I need to learn the art of the doxology, the ability to praise God in every situation. And one of the things that I'm learning in my own life is that in my walking with Jesus, there are times when his praise is on the tip of my tongue. And there are times when I can move through life. And even though I believe in Jesus, I don't live a doxological life. I don't live a life that is full of praise. They may be saying, well, Fusco, you're supposed to be a pastor. I mean, like, aren't you supposed to have that thing down? Listen, I'm just a person like everyone else. I'm on the journey with Jesus too. And sometimes circumstances and different things cause me to lose that simplicity of in every circumstances circumstances. God is glorious even if I don't like my details. I mean, we're reading together as a church family right now and our through the Bible reading plan, we're reading the book of Job right now. And really the, the theme of the book of Job is Job is struggling to praise because he doesn't understand what's happening. And Job's situation was nasty. Lost everything he owned, all of his kids, his spouse, his health, everything in quick, rapid succession. And he doesn't understand what's happening, right? And so I believe that one of the ways God wants to grow us up as his kids is to teach us the art of the doxology, the ability to be able to to praise God in our circumstances. And so we're going to explore that together today. And really the reason we're calling this message doxology is you're going to see the Apostle Paul gives us two of them in just a few short verses. So open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 15, we We're gonna be taking verses 1 to 13 together. Romans 15, verses 1 to 13. Now, at this point, if you've been around crossroads, your Bible should probably just open to the book of Romans because we've been traveling through Romans together for a while. So if you brought your Bible, it's going to open. If you didn't bring a Bible with you to church, you don't want to read the Bibles on the pews in front of you, pull out your mobile device and open up Romans 15, favorite browser window, favorite Bible app, however you like to get at that. And I want you to be able to read along with me. So look at what it says. Romans chapter 15, picking up in verse one, it says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now... All through chapter 14, now moving into 15, we're still in that place where there's divisions between people. There's the divisions between those who Paul's calling those who are strong and those who are weak. And the idea really, and I keep saying this, but I've got to keep making sure I reference it. Because I realize not everyone's been tracking with us for each message as we've been going through the series. Is that there was... Divisions within the local church and the church in Rome and elsewhere because uh, of people's feelings of liberty. Can you eat the meat that you bought in the market? Some people would say, no, you can't because it was sacrificed to idols. Some say, yes, you could. And it's amazing how people with different understandings of what it means to be free in Christ, what builds other people up, now all of a sudden, on these questions of conscience, as I've been calling them, there's divisions. Like last week, we talked about that. And sure, we got a ton of calls from a ton of people, emails about some of the things that I said, and I did it on purpose, because we need to explore questions of conscience right where they live, right, like, this is real stuff, you know, and I had someone say to me, you probably shouldn't have used that as an example, I'm like, I know I use that as an example on purpose, because we have to think through these things, because this is real life, how do people maintain relationship when we have differing understandings of how to get at something? When we have different ways of seeing how do we honor God in this situation, right? And so really what the apostle Paul is doing is he's been exploring, well, what do we do? How do we coexist? And not just in a way that we kind of acknowledge that different people have different ideas, but how do we not just survive it, but thrive within it? And so what the Apostle Paul does here in verse 15, he says, we then who are strong, verse 1, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So what the Apostle Paul does is he places himself in the category of those who are strong in their faith, those who are mature. And he places all of the responsibility on the mature believer to be able to bear with the, the scruples or the weaknesses or the concerns of those who are weak and not just to please himself. Now, if you want to consider yourself a spiritually mature person, now, if you don't, you need to learn how to consider yourself a spiritually mature person, right? Because really what you're doing is you're like, well, I'm not spiritually mature. You're letting yourself off the hook of growing in the way that God wants you to grow Right Now, if you consider yourself a spiritually strong person, I want you to circle those two verses in your Bible. Because he's saying, the onus is on those who are grounded in their faith to be able to be patient and bear with the weaknesses of those who are struggling in these areas. Why? So that you don't please yourself, but you seek to please your neighbor so that your neighbor may grow in what is good and be built up. So a sign of spiritual maturity is when it's not all about pleasing yourself. It's about helping the other grow. So right there, you want to know when someone's spiritually mature is when they're doing that. When it's not about them doing what they want to do and you're, you need to grow, you don't get it, being impatient with people who are in different places. And what's amazing is, is our culture is not teaching this. The people who are supposed to be the most mature in our culture are the most divisive. They're the most angry. But for 2,000 years, this has been in our Bibles. So really what we're seeing here is the Apostle Paul saying, for those of you who are mature, your job is to be mature with people who are not as mature as you are. And serve them. And help them grow. And don't get mad at them that they're not where you are. That would be like me getting mad at my Annabelle because she can't read the Bible for herself right now. She's not at that stage of her development yet. So my job as somebody who's more mature, who can read, who can understand, my job is to read it to her. My job is when she doesn't understand something to be able to explain it to her not because I'm frustrated with her, but her lack of understanding. But my job is not to please myself, but to build her up, to help her grow. And in the same way, within a world where people have disagreements about these things, those of us who see ourselves as spiritually mature, this is what we actually look like. Then we learn the principle that I think is really important for us in the rest of these verses is that for you and I, if you want to grow in spiritual maturity, you need to learn from Jesus and the scriptures. You need to learn from Jesus and and the scriptures because the apostle Paul grounds this idea of the stronger bearing with the weaknesses of the weaker not seeking to please themselves but help the other person so that person may be built up and may grow in what is good he grounds it in both the person and work of Jesus and Jesus's example and the teachings of the scripture look what it says verse 3 for even Christ did not please himself But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell upon me. Notice, for even Jesus did not please himself. Jesus has the ultimate example of the the person who always did those things which pleased his father. Jesus, who did not live his life to please himself. And then, of course, he quotes Psalm 69, verse 9. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. See, they're talking about the cross where my sins, my reproaches fell on Jesus and Jesus received the punishment for my weaknesses, for your weaknesses, where Jesus received what we deserved in our place. Why? Because he was strong enough. His shoulders were broad enough. He was the only person who could bear to pay that debt when none of us could. Jesus did it for us. Says, look, that's exactly what Jesus did. See, oftentimes we forget that Jesus walked by faith. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he didn't want to take the cross. He said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. But not my will, but yours be done. And then he took the cross. He gave up his own life. No one took it from him. He wanted to do it. Why? Because the strongest in the room did what the weakest could never do. And in the same way, we learn from that example. Only Jesus could be the savior of the world, but we realize that we live in the world as his body. And for many of us, we've kind of lost this in a self-centered culture where we begin to think that our faith is about pleasing ourselves. No, see, true spiritual maturity is when you use your maturity to help other people, to bless other people. A self-centered Christianity is not truly Christianity. It's American culture with a veneer of Jesus put over the top. See, we have to learn from Jesus. But not only learn from Jesus, we also learn from the scriptures. Notice what it says verse 4. For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning that we, through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, that we might have hope. Now, I love this because... Paul just quotes the book of Psalms to reference Jesus. And he says, hey, and don't miss the fact that all this stuff was written. It was written for our learning. And so we don't only want to learn from the example of Jesus. We want to learn from the scriptures. That was amazing. I was just reading some research that came out about people, people of faith, Christians, and Christian maturity. And the the research is amazing because what we found is that people who believe in Jesus and people who don't believe in Jesus statistically have the same set of struggles, same set of struggles, same frequency of struggles, unless, and I kid you not, unless they actually read the scriptures four times a week. So like, you take a non-believer and a believer, you put them side by side, same instances of marital unhappiness, personal unhappiness, alcoholism, all sorts of addictions, a believer and a non-believer, exactly the same, unless the believer is reading the Bible at least four times a week. Why? Because something happens when you handle God's word, not just on Sunday, but every single day. Because now all of a sudden, you're getting an alternative way of looking at the world. Now listen, I'm, no judgment, but listen, you have to ask yourself, are you reading the word of God every single day? And I'm going to tell you, if you're not... And all the stuff that you have going on, the reason that's there is because even though you believe in Jesus, you're really not putting in any, none of Jesus's heart into your life. And I'm here to tell you, you cannot counteract seven days of life with 90 minutes on a Sunday. It's just not possible. Just the way if like, if you want to get your health in order, one day in the gym for 40 minutes is not going to counteract seven days of unhealthy living. It's, it doesn't get the job done. But if you want to grow in maturity, when you start putting the scriptures in every single day, now all of a sudden, the believer and the non-believer look completely different. I mean, there's, there's almost no similarity. The percentage of marital unhappiness, way down. All sorts of addictions, way down. Why? Because now all of a sudden, a person is interacting with the scriptures. That's why we have you reading through the Bible together. We're, we're going through the, if you've been reading with us all year and you can find it on our app, you can find it online. We have all these different ways you can do it. We're reading through uh, the new Testament for the second time right now. We're in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12. I read it this morning as my devotional time. And I was reading about the death of Herod. Do you know, I know why Herod died because he was speaking and everybody was like, Oh, Herod voice of a God and not of a man. And Herod's like, yep, I'm the man. And he died. Now, there's nothing worse when you're a pastor, you read that before you go preach on a Sunday morning. Because <laughs> right then you're like, okay, hold on a second, you know. And I, st- I read that and I thought to myself, know what the problem is for me? If I do a good job and I forget to give glory to God, then I start to take the glory and then I'm, I got problems. But again, if I don't read that, the number of people who try and work out their salvation by preaching hoping that people will like their sermons or like their content. We we live in a world that we're seeking affirmation in the wrong places. If, and what's funny is it's not only true for me, whatever your skill is, whatever God has given you, when you read the scripture, whatever skill you have, you realize it's a gift given by God. And when you use it for God's glory and God does something with it, we don't take the credit for it. Like, oh man, of course I'm the man. Like, of course I'm so good at this. No, 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 no. You say, no, no. God has allowed me to do this. It's his life. And when we start living not for our own glory, but for God's glory, guess what? You start to mature, don't you? You start to see your life differently. And brothers and sisters, we need to learn from the scriptures and from Jesus. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 29. He says, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. I love the King James, you do err. That's such a deep way of saying it. Shakespeare is so proud. You do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And brothers and sisters, let's not make that error. Let's not be mistaken. Be people of the Word of God. I want you to read the Bible every day. And not just read it, be like, okay, I read it because Fusco told me to read it, but say, what does this mean? What does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about myself? And what is God asking me to obey today? Those three questions change everything. Who is God and who am I? And what is God inviting me to obey today? Because God doesn't just want us to have big thoughts about Him. God wants us to know Him and walk with Him. And God wants us to line our lives up with what His Word says. And that's what Paul's saying here. See, we begin to mature spiritually when we learn from the example of Jesus and we learn from the examples in Scripture, the teachings of Scripture.
1: Jesus is real. Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel challenged you to be reading the Bible daily. You learned that spending regular time in the Word puts Jesus' heart into your life. And one day a week doesn't cut it. Pastor Daniel reminded you that God's Word illuminates who He is, who you are, and what He wants you to do. Intentionally choosing to regularly read the Bible is one of the keys to maturing spiritually. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so
0: stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com.
1: Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will share that God wants the older generations of believers to come alongside the younger people his desire is that those who are more mature model how to move through life, including how to interact with people who choose and behave differently from you. You'll learn that the goal is for everyone to grow deeper in their faith and grace as they walk through life together. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Amplify. Until then, may God bless.